Hello, everybody, and welcome to Slash Her, a delusional look into the art of horror and all things spooky, kooky, and terrifying. I'm Adrian. And I'm Stormy. And this week, we're continuing the Christmas spirit, I guess, or I guess probably really kind of first diving into it. Hereditary just felt like a Christmas movie, but this week we're going full in. We're going to be discussing the original 1974 Black Christmas, which I'm very excited about. Um, yeah, it was, it's a good time. (laughs) It is. I'm starting off my heater. (laughs) It is. It's a fantastic movie. It is quite honestly one of my favorite horror films of all time. And I think... I mean, I said it last week, I just love Christmas horror. It's just something that really just feeds into my soul in like a really weird way. And this movie is kind of what did that. So I'm really, really excited to talk about it. I am too. I'm just, I want to talk about how unsatisfied I am with our ending. So. Oh, really? I love the ending. We'll get into it, but. (laughs) But we do have some things to get knocked out this week. We're going to go ahead and start off this week, actually, with what's been spooking you. So we can pretty much start off with you, Stormy. Anything that you've been watching this week? Um, So I watched In the Tall, Tall Grass again, which is a Stephen King um, adaption mm-hmm. on Netflix. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> uh-huh. I had to wrap it up. <laughs> Um, I really do love Stephen King. He's one of the few authors that I keep up with as heavily as I do. Um, But, you know, just a lot of his film adaptations do not hit for me. And In the Tall Tall Grass is one of those that just was a complete miss for me. Interesting, because I've heard that. I haven't seen it yet, but, you know, some people seem to enjoy it but i feel like a majority of people don't care for it what's like the premise of the movie like what's it even about essentially it's like the grass is tricking you wow yeah like so it can like mimic voices and make you think like you're chasing somebody into the grass like some you're looking for somebody who needs help but you're in just hopelessly searching in this grass and can't find your way out that is so weird. It kind of gives me um the ruin tease because I know in the ruins like uh like the vineage and like is that a word vineage? The foliage maybe. Oh foliage, yeah maybe that's a that sounds appropriate. Uh, but that and like the flowers or whatever inside like the ruins like they would mimic voices and they would like mm-hmm. it was it's like it's creepy and but that movie did it successfully so this one doesn't really hit the, hit the nail on the head. No, I was bored. Um, I could see how I haven't read the book, but. I could see how it would do better as a book than it does as a movie. Because, like, I don't know, you, in a book, slow burns work better to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you can kind of create, like, you create the scares in your head. Like, they right. lay the groundwork and you, you make it up. So it's mm-hmm. a lot easier to just be terrified because you're making yourself scared, really, off of, like, the brilliant writing that he does. Exactly, but just the... The energy that this uh, movie brings to the screen isn't it. (laughs) Yeah, but like you said, though, that's kind of the thing with a lot of his movie adaptions is they really sometimes they don't just hit. I was thinking about recently, and I don't know what gave me the urge to want to watch it. Actually, I do remember. Um, So if you follow Reckless Horror on Twitter and Instagram, love them. But they posted uh, like screen caps from Dreamcatcher, which is another movie that I haven't seen in so long from Stephen King that I, after seeing the screen caps, I kind of want to rewatch it because that movie 
from what I can recall, is very stupid. And, like, it's where, I don't know, like, alien parasites, like, come out of their ass or something like that. Have you seen it? Yeah. Um, Dreamcatcher is one of my favorite books from Stephen King. It's a wild ride, though. (laughs) (laughs) I need to rewatch it. But I haven't read that book either, so maybe I should get in that. Do recommend. Okay. I mean, the crazy thing with Stephen King is I think the only books I've read by him um, are The Stand uh, I started Pet Cemetery and I got pretty far. I started The Shining as well and got very far. I have an issue with like starting things and not finishing them, uh, which sucks. But I think those are the only two that I started and haven't finished in terms of completion. I think I've read Cujo and The Stand. I think those are the only books by him that I've actually read all the way through. And Cujo? Of all books, you would finish Cujo? Yeah. That movie was everything <laughs> to me as a child. I loved Cujo growing up. It terrified me love that for you (laughs) (laughs) and the ending is so different too from the movie right Mm -hmm, because i'm pretty i I don't know if i should spoil uh well if you haven't read the book (laughs) it's old yeah i was like it's been a minute i don't think spoilers are uh really valid at this time (laughs) right well spoiler tag if uh you haven't read cujo but the little boy dies in the book which is like insane to me because in the movie i guess we really don't no, because he's like struggling at the end of it. But I, it's one of those things in horror that you don't really see kids die too often. So I kind of wish they would have done that in the movie because we love to see it. <laughs> we love children violence. <laughs> it's just because that's really, uh, I don't know, like in a sense, it's almost taboo. So it's just like really, it really shocks you when something like that happens. A point and take hereditary last week because that movie that 30-minute mark in that movie where they do exactly that, just really fucking, it throws you for a loop. That shit really does make you, like, like fucking second-guess where you are. Dude, just, not to get into hereditary again, but literally where Peter's just sitting there and just the little, you okay? I think about that, like, a lot. It's <laughs> <laughs> just part of your fucking subconscious now. I can't help it. <sighs> this it's, trauma. It is. It's a... Uh, uh, like you said, though, one of those movies that when you kind of want to cry a little bit, just throw it on. Right. Just That's my on. Hey Siri, make me make me cry version. <laughs> Love that for you. Uh, so is that the only thing that you got caught up on this week? Beyond, of course, our topic movie. Uh, that's the only notable thing. Ooh. Okay. Uh, so I finished, I guess to kind of tie in a little bit, I finished Black Christmas 2019. Um I kind of already given my thoughts on it and the last 20 minutes of the movie don't change my thoughts on it, but they're kind of growing and they're kind of developing. So we'll kind of probably get into that. I guess I kind of do an actual tease because we're going to be working on something this month with Bobby uh, and a few other creators and it should be coming out by the end of this month. So just check it out. But we'll be looking into discussing that movie a little bit more. I don't want to say too much. I don't know what I'm allowed to say. Uh, But I did get the AOK to at least say that it was going to happen. So I'll get a little bit more into my thoughts on that movie uh, later on down the line. But another thing that I got to watch this week was Shaun of the Dead, which is old school classic, I guess, kind of to me already, because I remember from when I was a child. But I got to rewatch that movie, and I love it just as much as I always have. I've really never cared about that movie. I know it's... That's crazy. Yeah, I know that a lot of people love it, and me being me, I want to like it, but it's just not my jam. When was the last time you watched it? Oh, like high school, probably. Damn. I mean, you've grown a lot since then, so maybe the brand of humor <laughs> will 
I don't know, resonate with you again. It's because it's it has that dry sense of humor. And, like, the comedy, you kind of have to, like, I don't know. It's, like, a, it's a weird sense of humor where you, I don't know. It's just something that I've always vibed with. I've always enjoyed it. But it's one of those things where, like, if you just don't, if you don't like that dry humor and you just, it's just not your bag. And it's not everybody's bag. If that's not what you're, like, into, then it really doesn't work. Because I know they've uh, made a whole bunch of movies with those uh, two actors. And I'm awful i didn't i don't remember their names i think the other one's like hot fuzz hot fuzz which is also amazing and then there's another one where it's like at the end of the world or something oh yeah that one's okay that one's okay hot fuzz i think i might like hot fuzz more than i like Shaun of the dead but Shaun of the dead is still fantastic see Shaun of the dead reminds me of like the office type of humor exactly and it makes me feel stupid because i don't get it like, so many of people in my life love The Office, and I just, I've tried so hard, because me being me, like I said, mm-hmm. I've tried so hard to like it, and I just don't. And sometimes I'll, like, look at it, and I'm like, am I too dumb to understand <laughs> the comedy, or what? But I'll probably give Shaun of the Dead another watch, because Hot Fuzz is, um, I've only seen it once, but I remember, like, giggling at it. I remember oh, it's awesome. not I being miserable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's that sense of humor. Like, yeah, very much that. I was going to mention The Office, but I didn't want to get into that can of worms. Uh, <laughs> just because, I, I don't know, The Office is a hit and miss with me sometimes. But it's that brand of humor, and it, like, it doesn't work for everybody. Because there's times where I'll be watching something like The Office where, like, it's really fucking hilarious. And there's sometimes where it's just, like, it doesn't work. But I like that kind of comedy. Like, I love Parks and Rec, which is kind of, like, the same thing. Like, you have to catch the like the jokes you have to catch them and if you don't catch them then it just you're just staring at these people staring at each other and it doesn't really like hit so that shit kind of it has to work and it has to be done well in order for it to be successful and i think shauna that does that really well i still really enjoy that movie it's still to me peak like horror comedy when i think of horror comedy i think shauna the dead and then from there just like anything else like after that um it's just good it's fantastic so if you haven't Watch it in a while. I would recommend to watch it again just to see. But if you still don't vibe with it, then, I mean, not everybody has to vibe with everything. <laughs> Maybe my tastes have developed more as I got older. <laughs> and if not, then who the fuck cares, really? <laughs> <laughs> Me, because that's who I am. <laughs> I honestly was nervous going back into it because I don't think I've seen it in, like, a couple years. But I had the fear that if I, like like I'm obsessed with the movie and I go back and rewatch it that I won't like it. I always have that fear. And that's why mm-hmm. typically I have my comfort movies like Scream or something where I know it like the back of my hand and I'll watch it consistently. But there's movies where I'm like, oh yeah, they were so fucking good. But then like, like I probably haven't seen them since high school or since college, which were years ago. And I feel like if I rewatch them now with like my current mindset, like I might not like them. And that makes me nervous. Uh, speaking of which, it's not a horror movie, uh, but I went back probably like a month or two ago, maybe three months ago. I don't know. But I rewatched The Hot Chick from 2002. <laughs> and I was like, wow, this movie, first off, is problematic. Uh, second, it's just like it's not good. The comedy is just like so stupid. But I just remember like – growing up and like laughing at everything in that movie and Anna Ferris is still hilarious but it just it, it didn't hit like I thought I was gonna hit it rewatching it I was like let me watch something that's uh you know funny makes me laugh I was like oh the hot chick I love it let me watch it and I rewatched it and I was like ooh. so I w- I'm just always nervous that I'm gonna go back into a movie and just like not like like it as much as I used to I feel like also because like as we get older and especially in this time like this climate that we're living in, 
Right. Um, we're a lot more aware of what's okay and what's not. Um, early 2000s comedy can be very problematic. Oh, gutter trash. It's awful. It really is like bottom of the barrel comedy. And we just accepted like that as we just accepted it as fine. And it was fine in that day's climate. And it was still problematic. Like we obviously know that. Like it's not all of a sudden a problem. Right. But we're a lot more in tune with what's okay with and people are standing up for it now. Yeah, even like 10 years ago, stuff like that was still kind of relevant in like mainstream comedy. I think you can just be, you can be funny without being offensive. And I mean, if you're going to be offensive in any way, then, you know, maybe there's some type of experience that's there behind it. Like if I watch like a George Lopez comedy special, like he's going to be offensive towards Mexicans, but he understands he was brought up that way. And I understand because I was brought up that way. So in turn of like, that type of comedy, if it's raunchy or offensive, it kind of works because it's relatable to the artist who's creating it. If you haven't lived it, then why breathe it, baby? So, Chun of the Dead, though, is still fantastic. It is still funny to me. I loved it. Uh, but yeah, it, I mean, it's just smart comedy. Even in like this movie that we're going to be discussing, Black Christmas, I find this movie terrifying, but also completely hilarious because the comedy that they slip in there, I think, works fantastic. Uh, I just love smart comedy like that. I love that smart humor. Yeah. Um, I <laughs> honestly, before we started this podcast, I saw horror a lot differently than I do now. I find myself laughing at it a lot more oh, and me. it's so much more enjoyable now that I see horror this way. Yeah. That's what it's for. I feel like cause horror, I mean, cause in, I always go into every single horror movie with the notion of even if it's not good, I'm going to enjoy myself because I've always enjoyed horror. And I know like with any type of film genre, really, there's going to be hits and there's going to be misses. But I think with horror, it has like the special quality to it where if it's even if it's bad, it's good. Like and I'm like, I, just, I don't like lie when I say I try to find the light in everything because in every bad horror movie, there's something that works good. There's something visually striking. There's just always something to it that's still good and well done. Like if you see a bad comedy, it's just a bad comedy and like it just doesn't hit. Or if you go to an action movie and it's not good, it's just going to look stupid and clumsy. Or if you go to a fucking romantic comedy and it's not funny. I'm looking at you, Rebel Wilson, with that fucking movie that came out about her. I don't even remember what it was, but it was awful. It just, you know, with a lot of film genres, if it doesn't work, it just doesn't work. And horror has that quality where if it's fucking stupid, then 10 years from now, we're all going to be laughing about how stupid it is together and how much we love it. So I love that. That's my favorite kind of thing with horror is just being able to go into it and like just wiping my mind clean and be like, you know, even if it's not good, I'm going to find something that works. And typically it's going to work for me. I love horror. <laughs> uh, but speaking of horror, let's go ahead and just jump into this week in horror. What a good segue, Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> As if it's not like every fucking sentence has the word horror in it. <laughs> so for our first news topic, a sequel to 1993's Hocus Pocus will be heading to Disney Plus in the future. During Disney's Investor Day presentation, they confirmed the film will be a direct continuation and not a reboot. A reboot. <laughs> <laughs> a reboot. Which, love that for us. <laughs> <laughs> There's no confirmation. <laughs> There's no confirmation yet on if the original cast will return. Although Bette Midler, Jessica, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Kathy Nahimi have all expressed interest in the sequel. Yeah, so I'm excited. Um, yeah. Something. I think we talked about it around Halloween, but there's something about like 
all of the things that we grew up with, like kind of coming back into the light and being popular again is so fun. It's awesome, really. And again, I I rewatched Hocus Pocus this year for the first time in a couple years. Like it was everything. I'm like rediscovering everything. But like I rewatched it for the first time in many years um, this past Halloween. And I was like, wow, she still like really fucking hits. It's still a great movie. So I like that this news came out uh, because I'm fucking ready for it. And they all came together. I mean, again, nothing's been confirmed. But I mean, all the women bet. Uh, Kathy and Sarah all came together for that reunion special that they did around Halloween also. So I have a feeling, I have a pretty good feeling that they're probably going to be a part of this sequel. And if it's a direct continuation, like what, like, what does that mean? Like, is it, um, is it like, what? I mean, like, I don't even understand. Is Binks going to be back? Is it like the kids of the characters from the first movie? Like, what are they going to do? I feel like Binks can't come back because they finally let him go to rest after I don't know how many years. And I love that for Binks. But also, (laughs) as a child, I was in love with Binks. Like, not the cat, but (laughs) 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 with with his soul. I was in love with him. I just hope we get another uh, moment of Bette Midler singing up, I put a spell on you. Please do. Even if it's like a 30-second clip as like a little nudge to all of us that grew up to it, please put it in there. <laughs> Need. I'm also, me being a mom, like like I said, I like sharing the stuff that I grew up with with my kid, but the fact that she gets her own version of it is really exciting to me. It's cute. That's so cute to think about, really, because the first one came out in 1993 mm-hmm. when you were a baby, and now... When your daughter's a baby, she gets her, like you said, her own version. I'm fucking excited. That's how it was with, not to get off on little tangent, but <laughs> that's how it was with Toy Story. Is, uh, I, yes. That was the first movie that I saw in theaters. I've gone to see every single one of them in theaters because um, they come out around my birthday. And even we went to go see one. Yeah, we watched the latest one. Yeah, and that was Alita's first movie at the theater. So, Aww. yeah. Ugh, I love Toy Story. Uh, embarrassingly enough, not to talk about it, but one film series that I've seen every version of it in theaters is the Chipmunk movies. <laughs> I love that for you. Even, sh- what is it, Chipmunked? Uh, chipwrecked. Chip- chipwrecked, yeah. Chipwrecked. Yeah, even that one, baby. I have no idea why. Uh, I don't remember when the first one came out. I was probably like 12, 13, who knows. But we just, I remember we had left church and my mom was like let's go watch a movie so we just went and we watched Alvin the Chipmunks uh the first one when it came out and like we laughed at it and that first one's still cute I will stand by that so after that we just kind of made it a tradition like every year just to go watch them as a family even though they got progressively worse <laughs> but we watched every single one of those in theaters a family so I always like have a soft spot for those movies oh I love that not to get off on another tangent because that's nothing to do with horror uh I guess beyond just the CGI in that movie, but... (laughs) That's the horror of it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, I mean, the Disney Investors Day was insane, because alongside the Hocus Pocus news, Disney also announced that an alien television series is coming. The show is being created for FX Hulu and will take place on Earth in the not-so-distant future, and that's in quotations. Uh, The series has never taken place on Earth, minus Alien vs. Predator Requiem, which is a spin-off 
spinoff of like the main series. Um, and it has primarily been set in space, typically, the movies are. Uh, Ridley Scott, the creator of the series, is rumored to be coming on as an executive producer. So I thoroughly enjoyed this news because I love the Alien franchise. It just... It's everything to me. I've always enjoyed it. Even the shitty ones work for me. So, uh, well, mm, mm, that's a lie. That's a lie. Because the third Alien movie is really, she's a choice. But I'm excited about this. I mean, are you, you excited about this? Um, I don't really care about the Alien series. I am really excited about a lot of the like green lights that Disney put out recently, though. So... Honestly, I'm just here for everything that they're about to push. Girl, we should start a podcast that's just like, I mean, not to be crazy, but like, I don't know, just like, I don't know, like just, I mean, I said like pop culture, but like even just like Disney stuff, because I've have, I've always been obsessed with Disney, but I really surely have fallen off like with a lot of the most recent releases. So seeing, like you said, like all that shit that they have lined up gets me so fucking hyped. Uh, Loki gets his own series. Dude, uh, Ugh, I'm ready for it. I'm so ready for all of that shit. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, in the realm of horror in Disney's lineup, <laughs> uh, yeah, an Alien series, which to me, I mean, you might not be the biggest fan of the series, but Alien is one of my favorite films. I've always been obsessed with them and the Predator films. It's like, just like all oh, of that Oh, I love shit. the Predator films. Fuck me up. <gasps> See, that's so weird. I mean, so you're, an a- you're a Predator girl, not an Alien mm-hmm. girl. See, I would probably say I prefer Alien over Predator, but that's just because of Sigourney Weaver in the first movie. And her, in the second movie, just her altogether being a badass heroine is, like, everything I need. Like, just fuck yeah. And, I mean, although Predator is fantastic, it just, it's it's Arnold's, uh, whatever his name is. So, that's cool, and that first movie's great, but I just love Alien, and it just, I'm so ready for the series. Because I hope it does the series justice, because it's kind of fallen off a little bit because the first one's awesome obviously the second one aliens is also completely like just i mean there's fucking topics about it being better than the original just because of how good it is um the third alien is she was a choice the fourth alien was also a choice uh and then they did like the spin-offs the alien versus predator movies which i love the first alien versus predator movie that's also like an offshoot uh christmas horror to me even though it's not but that's just because it's like in like in uh antarctica i believe um even the requiem one isn't isn't the best but i love it and again ridley scott tried to like reinvent the alien series with prometheus and alien covenant and they both just didn't really hit so i really hope this show like kind of gets shit back on the right track with alien because it deserves to be it just still it just deserves to still like have like modern tellings and still be because I mean they're aliens like you can do so many fucking things with them like just fucking right. keep that shit rolling and just make it worth my time so I'm very excited about this and Disney really did kill it this week with all their fucking announcements uh, be on the lookout for our pop culture podcast <laughs> coming out so you don't have to hear these tangents <laughs> yeah very that or just like a general film we can talk about other movies too. Uh, we're mm. talented, damn it. We can talk about more than <laughs> horror. <laughs> Even though, like, that's my lifeblood. I love horror movies. But, yeah, that shit's crazy. So I'm fucking ecstatic. I'm psyched for it. Is that a word? Psyched? Yeah. Okay. Oof, girl. Uh, we are a delusional look. But, yeah, so uh, I'm hyped up. Anything else? Like, anything else that you watched this week? Anything else that you'd like to go over? Um, I just want to say... That not to label myself as a monster fucker, but Predator oh. could get it. <laughs> no, ma'am. Uh, okay, well. <sighs> <laughs> so, well, 
feel like the kombucha girl. I said, well, because I mean, sometimes those biceps and those deltoids be looking a little, they work out clearly, but then that mask comes off and then what, girl? I don't know. We'll figure it out. (laughs) The mask stays on during sex. (laughs) That's what a lot of people feel like um, with like Jason or. um, Or Freddie or any of them. Freddy doesn't really have a mask, so <laughs> the glove stays on. <laughs> <laughs> the glove stays on during sex. We should do that. Uh, so for each killer, we what should stays do what? On? <laughs> oh, what stays on? What attracts us to them? Uh, so Jason, keep the mask on. Uh, Freddy, keep the glove on. Uh, Ghostface, I guess you can keep the mask on. Yeah, keep the mask on. Can you imagine? Oh, Ghostface, just only mask. Fuck uh, yeah. Yes, and there's pictures. People have fulfilled this fantasy. It's out there. <laughs> he needs to bring, but for me, he needs to bring the knife too, though. I feel okay, like that period. would. <laughs> anyway. Well, if you follow um, Chris Wright on Instagram, he does like those oh, fan arts of like, yeah, of like the serial killers and monsters with hot, sexy bodies and six pack abs. Or it's just like, uh, it's my favorite series because people. Pyramid Head? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, um, Honestly, you know what I've been thinking about lately? Uh, just how hot the Hellraiser series is. The Cenobites, I guess, really aren't like super sexy, but the whole premise of Hellraiser is just like, uh, like pleasure, be- pleasure and pain. And in rewatching the first one, I haven't seen it recently, but so I didn't. That's why it wasn't in this week in horror. But since we're talking about just hotness, uh, that first Hellraiser movie, the main like evil guy in there that isn't like pinhead or whatever he's so fucking sexy and i don't know those movies just get really fucking hot i need to rewatch them <laughs> they're some they're really bad at times but they're fucking hot ass movies but that's because i mean there's pleasure and pain is like initially like the premise behind the Cenobites. so side note those movies are hot if we're just talking about like horror people and just horror movies that just get us hot and bothered i'm trying to think of anybody else that we could rank <laughs> what they keep on in the bedroom. Leatherface. Leatherface? Mm, I I truly, honestly, I just see him as like a sweet, young, you know, like he's confused. That family's like just like put him in a really soft, like a hard spot. So I could not see myself being like physical with him. I feel like I would just be driving him to like his therapy appointments and just like sheltering <laughs> him. Driving Miss Daisy. <laughs> yeah. Because I just feel like he's been through so much. I mean, I guess most of these killers have i guess but he just feels like the most misguided and i just couldn't see myself taking advantage of him in such a way poor baby but ghostface all day honestly though that's the only one that i can realistically see myself like being okay with the rest of these like i get the joke or you know or it doesn't have to be a joke (laughs) it could be just what you're into freddy daddy Robert Anglin, though, yes. Yes, mama. Oh, my God. Yes. Also, shout out to everybody uh, back home who tells me that my podcast is too sexual and vulgar. <laughs> oh, is that what they're saying? I love that for us. Mm. Mm, we love the Bible Belt. <laughs> <laughs> no, ridiculous. I mean, I'm okay with it. We really are raunchy. We literally are just, that's it. That's our brand, and I'm all about it. You know how, like, whenever shows are, like, coming out with a live show... And they'll have, like, the people's reviews where they're, like, brilliant, exciting, this, this. Ours just going to be, like, raunchy. <laughs> Pegging. Monster fucking. 
checking. Oh my god, not to be in the podcast. But did you see my tweet that I sent? That was my text to Shannon. Oh yes, I love that. <laughs> I knew it was her from the jump. I was like, we love this whole discussion. Oh my god, just honestly, the soundtrack iconic. <laughs> <laughs> people are, people are listening they're like what <laughs> they're like what's happening uh all you need to know is we're raunchy we're raunchy people but we're adults damn it i'm i'm almost 30 years old you can go fuck yourself <laughs> yes queen shit we live for that and i'm almost 26 so you can come fuck me <laughs> i'm 26 i'm willing to just you know lay it all on the line for fucking Ghostface and maybe predator i don't know that's a little too much for me but mm. uh would you fuck a xenomorph i feel like they would <laughs> what oh god you got me off guard would you fuck I the was alien gonna from say... the alien movies mm, probably not i feel the thing about predator is i feel like they could <laughs> I feel like they could, they know some stuff, you know? Oh, he's laying a pipe down. <laughs> yeah. He, that, I mean, those creatures really are. I don't know. You just know it. You know it. You know it. You fucking know it. And you just know that they probably just, do you think it'll look like a regular penis? <laughs> I'm, so, cut to ads. <laughs> <laughs> If we ever get any type of sponsorship, well, I guess we're explicit. That's literally but... going to be like that statement, and then it fades into the ad, just like "Hello Fresh." <laughs> Audible.com. None of them are ever going to work with us because we're raunchy. Honestly, but that's if that's it, then that's it, baby. Because <laughs> that's just—I mean—I just got to say what's on my mind, and sometimes I just think about what the predator's dick looks like. <laughs> I think we're successful. <laughs> The, the things that keep us up at night. <laughs> <laughs> Oof, Lord Jesus. Okay, well, we're going to be insightful people with uh, decent commentary on a fantastic film next. Uh, so let's go ahead and just jump into our discussion on Black Christmas, 1974. Hey, everybody. If you're enjoying the podcast so far, definitely look into giving us a rating. It would be really beneficial to our growth, and we'd really appreciate it. It goes a long way. We're open to ideas and feedback. We'd love it all. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and plenty of other places. But for now, let's go ahead and get back to the show. All righty. Well, we are back, and we are, again, discussing the original Black Christmas. So Black Christmas 1974 is a cult classic that has stuck its claim as being one of the films to lay the groundwork for what would come to be known as the slasher subgenre in horror. Being one of the first major films to implement a killer's POV, as well as seeing its characters being knocked off one by one, it's a must-watch for any horror fan. The film would first be released in Canada on October 11th, 1974, before seeing an American release on December 20th of that same year. The film cost an estimated budget of $620,000 to make and sees a runtime of an hour and 38 minutes. The film was directed by Bob Clark, who also directed the 1983 Christmas classic, A Christmas Story. The film also has a phenomenally talented cast that leads to the film's dramatic and atmospheric tone. Olivia Hussey is Jess, Kier Dulia is Peter, 
Margot Kidder as Barb, Marion Waldman is Mrs. Mack, Andrea Martin is Phil, and the late John Saxon is Lieutenant Ken Fuller. Uh, this movie, my goodness. So there's so much to talk about, I feel like, because, again, it's one of those films that if you're a horror fan, if you like it or if you don't like it, it's up to you, but you have to watch it just because of what it's done for the genre and just the impact that it's had. And... I personally love this movie. So, I mean, what are your thoughts overall, Stormy? Overall, I think the movie is really good. I enjoyed it. Um, It's not really scary to me, but also a lot of the older horror isn't. It's just not something that, like, sits in my creep factor, like, zones in on it. But uh, I found myself giggling a lot. Oh, yeah. I had a good-ass time. It's... To me, peak horror. Like, everything's peak horror to me, but this is one of those things where it really is. Because, um, I mean, I alluded to it a little bit earlier, but, like, the comedy in this movie, Barb, is hilarious. Mrs. Mack is literally a fucking walking, <laughs> talking, like, just quote machine. She's insane. It just, like, it works so well. But then, like, you have, like, stellar performances like barb still does fantastic margot kidder is amazing in this movie still she won a or actually i think she was just a nominee for the canadian film festival or uh the canadian film awards for her role in this movie um just because she, she still does so fantastic but yeah this movie does a good job of blending like real life horror and like comedy and just i don't know it's just insane to me and to me, it feels a lot more slow burn, and a lot of those older horror movies are definitely slow burn. And the crazy thing is Bob Clark, you know, the director, he, I mean, it's, again, it's a staple of the slasher genre, but he wasn't even going for that. Like, he was trying to make it more psychological. He wanted it to be slow. He wanted it to be thought-provoking. He wanted it to be atmospheric in its tone, and he nails all of that. Just, I mean, he did. He laid the groundwork for a lot of slasher tropes and just, like, characteristics of slasher films that we see now in every movie. Yeah. One of my favorite urban legends is when a stranger calls, essentially, like, the person inside the house. Yes. And that's just, that's the essence of this whole fucking movie. Yes. But my issue. Go on. <laughs> me. Me being me. Um, he's so loud on the phone. He's screaming. <laughs> they don't hear that? Like, <laughs> I can hear chipmunks in my ceiling. They live there. They're skittering around. So if I can hear a fat-ass chipmunk, you can hear a full-grown man, like, projecting four different voices in your attic. And that's also something that I've always wondered, too, is just like with – I mean, I don't know his talents. There's people who do voice acting. <laughs> but, I mean, it's like legitimately like different people talking, and I'm just like – it's creepy, but like how is An he An actual child. It? yes like what girl but like you said he's also like i mean how do you miss it but i mean he also is doing this in well my assumption is is because he's been doing this for weeks like they tell us that at the beginning that this is something that they've been experiencing for a while so my assumption is he's probably just been making the calls from outside of the house and just watching them for a bit but when he's in the house making the phone calls I feel like he stupidly gets lucky because they're either like there's like one or two people in the house and one's sleeping and the other ones are downstairs while he's like in the attic making the phone call or something crazy like that. So that's yeah. just always what I just kind of, uh, I guess, made up in my own mind. It's like, ah, he's just getting lucky because they're not really around. Uh, but I don't know. It really it, it makes no sense because he really is just fucking screaming into this phone and they're just like they don't have any idea that he's in the house most of the time. I just jump all over the place. But the, I'm not satisfied with the ending. And that's my biggest problem with this movie. 
Oh, okay. Should we just get that knocked out of the way then? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're okay with jumping straight to the end. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, I guess I can kind of go over it uh, too because I am in the ballpark of loving the ending. So I kind of like that we both have a difference of opinion on it. So, I mean, for me, it just comes down to the notion that I mean, I guess first and foremost, what do you, I guess what bothers you about it? What is unsatisfying about it? There's no closure at all. Zero percent. You don't, obviously, you know, it's Billy, but you never see him. You don't know what happens to him. Like, and I know that's like the premises of a lot of things, like, so they can continue going or Mm -hmm. like, that's the point is it's scary because of the unknown, like we scare ourselves type of thing. Right. But I just, for some reason, the way that it does it in this movie, I don't enjoy. Hmm. Okay. And I don't want to try to like, I don't want to try to persuade you, but to me, I always still think about the time period that the movie came out in. Because if you're looking at this time frame, the 70s, most of the horror in the 70s and even before the 70s, any killer or anybody who is the um antagonist to the protagonist you know who they are um in psycho it's a little bit more uh i mean psycho which is one of the films that really kind of helped set off the slasher genre as well i mean with that one you get a satisfying ending because you find out who the killer is but beyond that every other movie that kind of came out after that like you knew who the killer was uh the hills have eyes around this time frame you knew it was those people who lived out in the hills um uh, peeping Tom. I mean, you know who the serial killer is the entire time. Uh, it's just one of those things where around this time frame, you just you just knew. You knew what was coming. You knew who the killer was. You knew, you know, Leatherface is the killer. And this, that movie came out right before this. You knew, you know, The Last House on the Left, Wes Craven's other film that came out around this time. You knew who those people were the entire movie. So to me, just in terms of the time period that it was coming out, it was trying to do something different. Because, I mean, nowadays you get horror movies all the time where, like, you don't know who the killer is or they get away with it or, you know, this stuff happens more consistently nowadays. But if you're looking at the premise of this coming out in the early 70s around the time where it was a lot more intense and visceral with the horror that they were presenting, again, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Last House on the Left, The Hills Have Eyes, horror was getting very grungy. And this movie comes out and it kind of sets a different tone. It's atmospheric. It's slow burn. It's psychological. It kind of adheres to just more like a different presentation than most horror around this time and it then set the tone for what would come after it halloween which then kind of set the tone for slasher films and then we go straight into the 80s where shit just takes off from there so for me that's the only reason that i can bypass the ending because to me i think it adds so much to the movie because it also again came out in a time where things were completely different than what the audience was normally getting so that's why i can kind of bypass like not knowing who the killer is because and also if you look at it if you look at the 2006 remakes of black christmas or the 2006 remake of black christmas where they tell you everything about the killer which again is stuff that i hate and they completely just like you they explain who agnes is they explain who billy is they explain everything they explain the entire backstory of them and it just completely muddles the entire story and it kind of takes away from what the original was intending to do which was just kind of the killer can be anybody. It could be your neighbor. It could be somebody that they know. It could be one of their boyfriends. You don't know who it could be. And to me, that's the horror of it is 
anybody can enter your home, anybody can be a part of your life, and you don't know who they really are. And it, I mean, if we're looking at the ending too, I mean, she thinks it's Peter. She thinks it's her boyfriend, Justus, and she kills him. She literally kills him. The trauma that she's probably going to go through for killing her boyfriend and then not being him, and the horror that she's going to fucking face for the rest of her life because she literally murdered her boyfriend because she thought that he was killing her friends. And then she just, and it just, the ending shot to me is fantastic with the phone ringing and it just shows all the shots of the house because he's probably still in there. She has no idea it's going to haunt her for the rest of her life. And to me, that's a successful ending. Uh, but that's just me personally. I think my problem is, is I see a lot of things at face value and you take into consideration a lot. And <laughs> no, that's, and it's not a bad thing. I love that about you. And I wish I could be more like that. But for me, like, I just see a film and like, that's it. Yeah, no, I understand. So for you, it's like those two hours are it and you better like you want everything to be satisfactory those two hours, which is fine because there's also movies that I watch and I watch in those two hours. And if it isn't good to me, then it's just shitty. But this movie is just one of those things where, yeah, I take into consideration the time period and all that shit just because it was a big movie in terms of like the time period and what it was trying to do. Mm hmm. I need to do do better is what I'm saying. (laughs) No, not at all. No, you can have your opinions. Because, again, it is still kind of frustrating that we don't know who it is and we don't know what happened. Because that is unsatisfying. And, you know, that's kind of how it is a lot of the times with a lot of things in real life horror. Like, if you look at true crime, sometimes people get away with things and you don't know who it is. And it's fucking upsetting. Like, look at the John JonBenet Ramsey story where people are still talking about it because we don't know who the fuck killed her. And it's upsetting. It's frustrating because the unknown is fucking triggering. It really is. So I completely, I mean, your point of view on it is not the worst at all. I mean, it's not like it's an awful thing to like be unsatisfied with it. But to me, I was satisfied uh, with the ending. But that's just because I'm crazy. (laughs) (laughs) You're not crazy. You're insightful. Oh, thanks. Always. But yeah, so the ending can be very controversial. uh, Because I feel like I've seen a lot of people kind of talk about that as well. they, they, They just don't like that ending. And it's just, like you said, it can be unsatisfying because it's just one of those things, too, where you spend so much time with these characters and watching them get killed and then just to not even, like, know who did it. It's kind of shitty. But, again, it's something that I can bypass just because I really enjoyed the movie. <laughs> uh, but I guess going completely from one opposite end to the other, I mean, the opening of this movie is, like, one of my favorites. And I think it's always something that I... I remember the first time I watched this movie and the opening was just fucking amazing because it's just the stoetic shot on the home. Uh, the you know the set piece that's showing us the house that we're going to be a part of for the rest of the movie and it's just silent night playing in the background very creepy and then you can hear like the atmosphere the wind the, you know the snow it to me it's gorgeous with that ridiculous font that they use i don't even know what that font is but it's ridiculous what a ridiculous title card but it just adds to the atmosphere and it like sets the tone from the jump i fucking love the opening to this movie I feel the same way. You're so well-spoken that I honestly, I feel like sometimes I just repeat what you say. Um, I never really thought that I would see Christmas songs be creepy to me, but they do it very well in this this opening shot. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Um, I do have some notes. (laughs) (laughs) I wrote a whole bunch down for this movie. Uh, Do it. You're the prepared one this week. I mean, I guess we can kind of get into, before we kind of go into some of my favorite scenes, I mean, we can kind of talk about like how we typically do, like just our favorite characters or who we think is possibly the best character. So who's the, like the person that you enjoy most in the movie then? Um, the person that I enjoy most and the person that I hope to be when I get older is Mrs. Mac. <laughs> <laughs> full Mrs. Mac vibes. I love that. 
literally. She's li- <laughs> hiding, vo- like, hiding alcohol from herself just as a little treat, just a little something something. <laughs> That's how she makes it through the day with these annoying ass teenagers. Yes, girl. And she has them all over the house, fucking in a book, in a fucking toilet, in the closet. She has her fucking alcohol stashed all over the house. And it's like, she's it's- so upset whenever <laughs> the, the coat closet one's gone, too. <laughs> And you know that she drank it. Like, I'm sure they're insinuating that, like, the girls in the house probably took it from her, nabbed it, like normal college kids would do. But you know Mrs. Mac drank and forgot. <laughs> and then when she goes outside with the the first girl that's murdered, her dad. Oh, yeah, with Claire's dad. Yeah, when she goes outside with Claire's dad with half of her lipstick done because <laughs> she's so annoyed with him. Uh Love it. I've, oh, all of the interactions with her and Claire's dad are like fucking peak comedy. When they're in Claire's room and like, uh, <laughs> like it's a peace sign, like with the naked she's people. She's covering up the yes, ass. The, and she tries to open the door and she's like, let's, thank you so much. And she's like trying to cover it and he still like fucking sees it in the end. She's right. so hilarious. And when she's talking to herself too, dude, where she's like, I don't know what they fucking expect from me. I, I don't know what they think <laughs> I should doing be the her one best. To, it, to protect the fucking the moral compass of these fucking girls and she's just that i mean if you're a house mother that's probably how you fucking feel right so she's loaded up 24 7 and i don't blame her very much like the i'm not your my brother's keeper type of vibes <laughs> just like i'm literally just making sure that these girls don't set this house on fire that's all <laughs> she's uh she's amazing dude and i remember the first time i watched this movie like she threw me for a loop because i had uh the first I had watched the remake first, Black Christmas 2006. I had seen it first. So when I had heard at my young age of like 12 or whatever that there was an original version because I was watching the um, like the special behind the scenes or whatever on the DVD of Black Christmas. And I, I remember I made it a mission at that point. I was like, well, I need to watch Black Christmas 1974. Like I fucking was on a mission. Uh, so I literally – I remember I went online and it was so expensive at the time to buy the DVD. I had no idea why it was. So I was like, fuck. So I would go to Hastings every like week and I would like be like – look through their new stock and i'm like i need to fucking see black christmas and finally i find it i found it online i don't know where the fuck i got it from but i found it online i think i bought it used from somebody and had the dvd delivered to me and i was like fucking 13 14 at the time but i had it delivered to me and i remember that when i watched this movie the first time like i don't know so for you then i mean because i was going to kind of go into how it, like it truly terrified me so why wasn't it super scary for you yeah i think the tone for that i was seeing or that i was feeling uh-huh. Um, kind of put it in more of a dark comedy type of genre for me than a psychological thriller. That's crazy. But they do, the, the comedy's heavy-handed in this movie, and yeah. it kind of confuses you for a little bit, because Miss Mac is hilarious, and Barb is hilarious, and it, it does, it confuses Barb's you. Barb's a hot mess. Honestly, she's iconic. She's my favorite character. I think she's the best <laughs> character. Uh, we get, like, a small clip of her, like, looking at that uh, the magazine with, like, a naked woman on it. So... I mean, welcome to the LGBTQ plus community bar, but I'm all about it because uh, <laughs> she's just but she is a mess, but like she just makes it work and she still looks really good doing it. I just love her. She's hilarious in this movie. She is my favorite kill scene. Uh, that shot, the whole kill scene is gorgeous. It's stunning and it's creepy yeah. just because the way he's sitting on top of her and it's like the light from the window just shows his one eye. Yeah terrifying and it's what is wrong with his other eye like the fact that they focus on one eye yeah i'm like is he blind does he have (laughs) another eye Uh, there has to be something 
about him that makes him this way. You know what I mean? Stormy, I love you because um, I know you love like I know you're like a gore whore, and I'm all about that. And I know the 2006 remake is like a lot more gory and bloody, and like so. But it's making me laugh. It makes me laugh because like the things that you're bringing up in the movie, like they answer in that remake, <laughs> and like the remake is like so gory and it's like so up your alley. And I love. The 2006 remake. Is it a good movie? No. Is it fun to watch? Hell the fuck yes. But, like, everything that you're asking is answered in that movie because the eye thing, like, the fact that they focus on one eye in this movie, they, in that movie, they're like, let's just make him fascinated with eyes. And he fucking rips out eyes and, like, eats them <laughs> on screen and just fucking yanks them out. And they're like, because they're like, hmm, why, why is it focusing on one eye in this movie? Let's, like, make that prevalent. And they're like, let's fucking just have him, be, like, fucking have a fascination and rip the eyes out of every person that he sees. And it's just like, Stormy was, like, literally part of the creation of of the remake I fucking love it. <laughs> little did y'all know me <laughs> the early 2000s damn maybe we should watch that movie next because that one is fun i love that movie honestly i think we really should do that one live okay but yeah i don't know why uh, uh, oh god i wish i was like a, a film scholar <laughs> or had like a phd <laughs> in horror or something crazy because like i wish i could like have like a better idea like like the shot of the eyes like it only shows one eye it just i don't know why i don't know if it, they're just trying to be creepy or like i don't know what the artistic direction behind that is but it surely fucking creeps me the fuck out yeah it i don't understand <laughs> honestly that should be the name of my segment in this <laughs> what stormy doesn't understand i kind of love it um <laughs> why okay so he's looking through the closet in that one scene right uh-huh. and she sees him like they make one eye contact one of them locks like they do but she doesn't stab him with why (laughs) if all of your friends are getting murdered honestly if anybody not even before my friends get murdered if i'm getting creepy harassing calls talking about my piggy cunt girl then like anything that i see if i make eye contact with something it's getting stabbed and if it's one of my friends who just happens to be in the closet, sorry, Barb. Why the fuck are you in the closet? It is. Uh, dude, I mean, I don't know. In terms of final girls, to me as a character, I think Jess is fantastic because they do have like the whole, and we'll probably get into that topic here in a bit, but they have a whole subplot with her and her boyfriend that kind of like leads the story forward. And I think it's fantastic. Uh, but yeah, in terms of like final girl actions, uh, yeah, she kind of lends to the just like, you know, the damsel in the stress. She sees them. She just runs. She runs around. And, you know, she doesn't do much. But, I mean, she does end up killing her boyfriend in defense of herself. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, in that moment, like you said, I would have fucking just ran my finger through the fucking door crack and, like, fucking just stabbed him right in the little eye. Because he's so creepy. That shot is terrifying to me. The Looking yeah. through the door. That shit scares me. But, yeah, Jess really didn't put up too much of a fight. And we didn't even get to see her. I wish we could have saw her kill Peter because he's annoying to me. Right. The worst character. He's the worst. I hate him. He is the epitome. When we talk about us hating men. Period. That is, it's Peter. That's why we hate men. Period. period. It is not your body. It is not your choice. I don't know what the fuck to tell you. Like, the fact that you got mad and beat up a fucking grand piano, which costs more than you will ever make, especially in 70s money. Girl. 
We hate men. We Let's hate them. We period. fucking hate them. That's it. And then Jess is just like, she's so cool. She's so calm. When, like, when she tells her, you know, hey, I'm pregnant. I'm not going to have this baby. And like, she's just like, and she's like, I wasn't even going to tell you. Like, just be happy. I had the decency to tell you because it's my body. I'm not going to, I'm not going to have this baby. It's just not going to happen. And he's just immediately, he's so fucking disgusting because like immediately he's like, well, you, what do you mean? You didn't ask me if you could not have this baby. And I was like, girl, like, but it's not like, girl what and i just love the way they handled it just stay strong in like her discussions with him even throughout the movie when he comes dude the gaslighting that that man does when he fucking fucks up his recital or whatever the fuck that thing was and then when he goes and he talks to her and he's like oh i never want to do that no more we're gonna have a family let's get married all this shit and because that's all he has now because he fucking failed at whatever that audition thing he was doing and she's like but uh, but baby like I got my future still. Like, I don't want, like, I don't want to just fucking be your wife because you don't got nothing else going on, sir. Yeah. And then he was like, well, you can still do those things and be married to me. And she's all, but the problem is, is I don't want to marry you. <laughs> so get to step in, sir. She should have just stabbed him right then and then would have been fine. Well, I mean, the movie, I mean, he's the red herring the entire movie. The movie tries to make right. you think it's Peter the entire time. So did you think it was Peter the entire time? I thought it was Peter up until Peter got stabbed. <laughs> <laughs> so right until the end. <laughs> yes. Me and Shannon were talking and um, she was like, oh, that fucking Peter, like, I hope she kills him, like, talking shit. And I was like, I'm 98% sure that we don't know who the killer is. And that's what a lot of people have an issue with this movie. Uh-huh. And she was like, no, it's Peter. I'm pretty sure. And I was like, okay. And then... <laughs> Like, we saw the where Peter gets killed, and I was like, mm. <laughs> I was like, see, I thought, and I was, like, sort of confident about it, but, like, I wasn't sure. <laughs> and that's it, dude. That's just what it is. I mean, and the movie is so heavy-handed in making you think it's the boyfriend. And it's, right. uh, I don't know, it's brilliant. And that's why I also think the ending is brilliant, because... Uh, horror slasher films like after this I mean Scream even makes fun of it like the boyfriend being the killer so it's just smart because they make it so like obvious like they gave him like the creepy shots when he destroys the piano when he's standing outside the house when he's in the house when uh, Jess comes back home from the search party and he's already in the house and after Mrs. Mac is murdered <laughs> he and was you're taking just like, a nap yeah he was sleeping I was like girl what are you talking about sir but He's a piece of shit. And I just love the way that the movie handles Jess's character and just, like, her standing her ground. I mean, not to compare it, but we'll be doing a lot of that uh, later on down the line. But, like, with the 2009 Black – or the 2019 Black Christmas that is the most recent uh, remake, like, they – also kind of discuss like the aspect and you haven't seen it yet so i don't want to give you too much information but they kind of go into the aspect of just like you know women standing up for themselves against the disgusting nature of men and i mean the commentary and like the discussion and the dialogue in that movie kind of feel i don't know sometimes it feels like the way that they wrote those things are like it's like a parody of the women themselves saying it and it just doesn't feel right to me it doesn't feel like they handled it super well but at the same time it's still not awful as a movie but it just doesn't feel completely i don't know it just doesn't feel like it handled the material well and i feel like this movie from the fucking 70s handled it a lot more i don't know it just felt more real i just like how real it feels like the characters feel very real they all feel very realistic nobody's i don't know it just they they handled it all well but olivia hussey she's acting and she made sure she came to this movie to act every time she answered the phone i roll my eyes or every time she does answer the phone i roll my eyes because she goes hello 
At the fucking, like, her pitch is, like, at 10 as soon as she answers the phone. I'm like, I know you think it's the obscene caller already. I get it. But you answer the phone like that every time. Hello? Hello? And she's just screaming every time. I'm like, girl, like, it's not that serious. <laughs> it's literally the pizza guy that's just like, sorry, we don't have olives. <laughs> <laughs> and she answers like that. Probably scares the, the fuck out of him. <laughs> and he's like, okay, we just won't deliver your fucking pizza then, bitch. <laughs> I, the the number of times Billy says cunt Uncomfortable. does not sit well with me. I, I take kindly to being called a lot of things. Um, they don't hurt my feelings. But like if you call me a cunt, we're gonna it's on site. And yeah. the fact that he says it so many times, and I understand that he's not calling them cunts, he's referring to a vagina. Mm-hmm. But like just the fact that he says it so much. And, like, literally it's the t at the end. Like, he pronounces it. He says it with his chest. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It just makes me, like, Bleh. I don't say that word. It makes me uncomfortable. So I don't, like, say it. It just, to me, it's very vulgar. It's, like, the one word that is, like, just so vulgar. And I just don't understand why people say it. But I remember, like, the first time that I watched this movie, like, those phone calls are truly terrifying. Like, if I was getting yeah. phone calls like that, like, I... I would just jump out the window. Like I don't, I don't know what I would do. <laughs> I would literally just run headfirst through a window and just hope for the best. Because at that point, okay, I Peter. No, <laughs> yeah, because I have no idea what to do at that point. Because it just, it's disgusting. It's vulgar. And first off, it, it is. It's like fifty thousand people in one room talking on that phone, but they're terrifying. And uh, the, let me lick it. Let me lick it. And my big Ugh. juicy cock. And I'll just like. What? And Barbara's like, mm, not bad. But it's just like, <laughs> like, what would you do with those kind of phone calls? I. Again, would just jump jump out of a window. Yeah. Uh, mm. Like I said, I can handle a lot of things, especially with my interests in movies. Like, they're very vulgar. They're very disgusting. But just that didn't sit right with me. And for it, for it being in the 70s and being in such a different climate, like... It surprises me that it's in this movie. Yeah. I remember the first time, again, the first time I watched it, I was so taken aback by the way that he was acting in those phone calls. It felt very strange. It felt very off. Because you do, you think, oh, the 70s, it's like really old school. I mean, as as I grow older and kind of like was kind of looking into the time frame, I mean, the 70s were worse, (laughs) like what they were presenting. Because again, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre was there. The Last uh, the last House on the Left, which of course is just a rape revenge film, which I haven't seen. I probably won't watch because that stuff makes me very uncomfortable. But there's a lot of stuff coming out around this time that was also like really gross. Uh, But for me, like again, it took me a little bit to watch those movies. And this movie was like the first movie that I watched around like the 70s era Um, because I watched it before Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I watched it before any of those movies, Um, before The Hills Have Eyes, all that. And so this is the first movie I had of the 70s. And I was like, "Uh, we're talking like that in the 70s, baby? Is that what we're doing? Because it's just, those phone calls are disgusting and terrifying. And they do well with those movies or with those phone calls. Uh, well, we can kind of go over the deaths in this movie as well because they're very subdued. And I, I, I guess Bob Clark was hoping that they would be – or he was going to intentionally make them more graphic, but then he cut back on that just to kind of uh, – you know, sometimes, you know, the unknown is more scary, which obviously he's very heavy-handed with that, especially with the ending. But the deaths are still, like, so fucking creepy. The first one with Claire when uh, Billy 
I mean, we don't know if that's the killer's name, but we just call him Billy. Uh, with, he's in the closet just fucking hiding behind that bag and just fucking leaps out and grabs her. I, every night before I go to bed, I check my closet just because I have the irrational fear that somebody's going to be in it. So when she walks up to that closet, he just fucking grabs her and chokes her out. And I'm just like, hmm, I mean, I'm going to be checking my closet twice tonight, baby. Just my paranoia. Whenever I check my closet, I have a knife. So Oh, okay, work. <laughs> Let somebody try me. <laughs> Uh, but I mean the shit with Claire and just her body being up in the attic throughout the movie and them just cutting to it like 20 fucking times is always so creepy and there she's right in the window I understand that like you can't see that well into that window but she's it's right in people's faces right in the middle I don't know I don't understand people haven't like seen it I mean it's a very big sorority house but like she is literally at the window so like I'm just like girl but i mean i don't know i don't know if they see the silhouette of her and just think i don't know i have no idea but she really is just chilling there rocking back and forth and he's he's also in there and um was there anybody in the house when he has like his breakdown like after he kills mrs mack and he's like throwing shit anywhere i don't remember if anybody's in the house or not because he's i'm like girl you're being so loud you're going to get like what i mean i guess i not billy um i think peter's there at some point but who knows if that's after the breakdown or not I wonder if they ever had like an, a um, a plan to like do a sequel to this movie because I don't know. I wish, I mean, I really do wish they would continue the story. I would have liked to see what like seen what happened and like you said, know maybe who the killer was because I don't know. I still don't trust Peter. <laughs> I still feel like he was like kind of suspicious the entire movie. And I know <laughs> he's they a little him, sus. Yeah, he's a little sus. And I know they set him up that way, but like him being in the house. Right after or around Mrs. Mac dying just does not add up to me. I don't trust him. Right. He had to have heard, heard. He had to have heard something. Like, unless it was, like, amazing destiny timing that, like, the breakdown and the murder was done by the time he came home. But, like, how can he miss that? I just don't understand, like, the window of time we're looking at. Right. Because they were at the, what, the search party at that point? Yeah, they were looking for Claire at that point. Yeah, so. I don't know. It's insane. I also like the de- uh, depiction of the police in this movie because they all, everybody hates them. Every time they go to that police station, they're all idiots, except for the lieutenant who's played by the late John Saxon. And he's a handsome man, and he does his job, and he takes his job seriously. But Nash, the police officer that works the front desk, it's like awful. Like if, and it just makes you think like, why go to the police if you're going to go? And the first thing you're going to tell you is like, mm, it's not that serious. Or mm, I'm sure she's just shacked up with some boyfriend somewhere. I'm like, girl, like do your fucking job. Maybe like look into it. Even the Lieutenant was just like, he like sets it up. Like this is happening. This is happening. And this is happening. Right. And you're not smart enough to think that we should investigate any of this. Like, <laughs> An idiot. He does everything wrong. And Ash wrong. is just like, oh, I mean, I guess. <laughs> when Barb is like fellatio and he just goes along with it. <laughs> and they have a whole fucking, again, why the movie, like you said, kind of feels like a dark comedy at some times. Where they like spend a good like fucking four minutes just laughing at that joke that was set up earlier. And you're just like, he's just so stupid. Like he just doesn't know fellatio. And she was so serious about it. I love her. <laughs> 
It's a new carrier. <laughs> it's just so fucking. It's just like, girl, what? He's an idiot. And at the end, too, when the lieutenant tells him, you know, hey, the calls are coming from inside the house. Do not tell her because she's probably going to act out and Jess is going to just go nuts. And the, he, ugh. immediately he's like, the calls Two are coming from inside later. the house. Yes. Immediately. And that's when she has her breakdown. Ugh. And that breakdown, girl, she came to act. She was screaming at the top of her lungs. Why? Who's up there? Who's up there? And I'm just like, yes mama the acting i don't know if i'm just a horrible friend and if i am that's fine but unless my unless my child is upstairs i'm leaving oh yeah i'm not staying for anybody i'm so sorry would you stay for me stormy <laughs> no i love you i'll yell at you from the window i'll throw windows at your stormy stormy are you up there <laughs> and then i would leave immediately yeah, like as I'm as I'm gathering my thing, my jacket. As I'm putting my jacket on, I'll yell for you. <laughs> but I'm not going back upstairs. I don't. I wouldn't either. She's braver than I. You know. In my head, I probably would have been like, "He's probably dead anyways." <laughs> so. <laughs> I'd be Phil, who's like crying on Jess's shoulder. She's like, "I just know Claire's dead." I was like, that, that, "That'd probably be me." But I would. I'd be putting my jacket on and zipping it up and putting my hoodie on, screaming for you. Stop are you up there fucking putting on my gloves and my boots tying my <laughs> shoes Stormy, okay. grabbing my my bag from the hook oh god oh god please answer me fucking putting it on over my shoulders my bag putting my chapstick on just because it's cold outside and i'm like Stormy, please and <laughs> makes a hot tea really fast before i leave the front door hot tea. i would just stay downstairs i wouldn't even bother going upstairs i do everything downstairs Stormy, please but uh, i don't know i feel like if I had a weapon, maybe I wouldn't like, I don't know, in horror movies and situations like this where I'm like, would I help my friends or would I not? Sometimes I feel like I would just, I feel like running might be the best bet. I don't know if that theory, I don't, I hope I never have to test it, but I'm just always like, if I'm just running really fast with like a <laughs> weapon, like I, mean, I don't think the killer's going to have the chance to do anything. <laughs> So my idea is like just running up the stairs like full fucking force like just and I would have like the poker stick from like the fireplace like just like in front of my chest so whoever's like pops up in front of me it just it's gonna happen if there's you know if it's one of my friends casualties will be had but like that's Girl, friendly fire is a thing I don't know what to tell you if I'm screaming stop me and then I run up the stairs and you just pop up and you're like ha and I, you deserve to be stabbed at that point. No, if you're yelling my name and I come outside <laughs> and you stab me, that's not fair. You called me. But if I'm screaming like Jess is screaming and you don't I show sleep up. naked, Adrian. Okay, you're right, you're right, you're right, right. And sometimes I deliberately, somebody's yelling at me like that also. Sometimes I don't answer just to like, like bitch, why are you yelling? Because I would come down the stairs and be like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> we need a code word for us to like know it's serious to come out fast but cautious in case Adrian's <laughs> running down the hallway with the poker <laughs> oh my god what should it be fellatio fellatio it's it that's it the new code word no because sometimes I stutter so I'll be like oh my god oh my god another thing that uh and to me, this to me, this is still a perfect horror movie. But another thing I thought was so ridiculous is after Claire is dead, and like he is just carrying her full body upstairs, and they're all downstairs, and he's lucky that like 
these fucking 13 women inside this house are just all downstairs for him to just casually walk out of Claire's room with her over his fucking shoulder, walks, pulls down the fucking ladder to the fucking attic, climbs up the ladder with this woman on his back, and just takes her up there like, no problem, nobody comes up there, nobody runs upstairs for a fucking, for a quick powder of their nose or something. Like, he's just, he's a very lucky killer in this movie. Also, you have to be strong to carry a whole ass human and climb because you have to use at least one hand right. to climb up that ladder also and then just to get like the positioning right i feel like i'd be smacking claire's head against the oh yeah she'd fall off the my shoulders. opening <laughs> can you imagine i need that blooper reel <laughs> i'm just dropping claire like that's 10 the thing. Times. i think that's why scary movie exists because like even watching Hereditary, it's like I just want to know what those cult members are doing behind the scenes. So I want to yeah. see what Billy's doing behind the scenes because you know he's fucking tripping up and dropping people. And I mean they show us a meltdown of his, but I can just imagine him doing that always because he seems like a very full, like a very foolish person to me. I feel like he's not mentally well. Yeah, that's um, another thing. I wish that's why we could have gotten more. Yeah. Because I just wanted to know what was like, what's his deal? Like, what's he thinking? I think Billy's been through some shit. <laughs> very much who's agnes we don't know who agnes is who's that don't tell agnes agnes is his grandma we know this <laughs> do we because no. the name oh because <laughs> the name agnes yeah. and he's like don't tell him what we did agnes to me oh maybe not I, I always think like very like i mean i don't know i just think like they either killed somebody together or i don't know like i don't know it's so weird those phone calls are just like i know they're just like random stuff that they just said um because they didn't even like the actresses didn't even know what the fuck was being said they just had to react to like random shit that they were saying on set because all that was added in later on so they didn't even know like what the dialogue was that was coming at them they just kind of reacted to like whatever so the fact that they can then just like threw that in there later it just it's so weird and it's so creepy and like i just need to know more <laughs> i want to be that person on set that's talking be like can i get a large pizza <laughs> and <laughs> And she's like, I would oh, be disgusting. saying the dumbest shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my god, dude. Um, uh, I was just um Blair's lines during that, or not Blair. Uh, fucking Barb's lines during that too to uh, Claire when she's like, "I know a professional virgin when I see one." I was like, "Why attack her like that? Why attack your friend?" But she literally has a mental breakdown later on when she's fucking plaster talking about turtles fucking, where she's like, "But you also think it's me? I'm the one to blame because because you're a bitch to her, Barb." But I want to know what species like, of turtle. She has enough. I wonder what species of turtle. Come on, sorry. Go ahead. Oh my god. Um, like she, they were saying that like she has a hard enough time fitting in with all of us without you being a bitch, basically. Pretty much awful. She's so awful. But she does fantastic with that monologue, though. Just she's like so broken up about it. But when she's talking about those turtles fucking for three days straight, it's it's pretty funny. That poor Just, dad. <laughs> I didn't stay there for the whole three days. I just went to see the zebras. They only last 30 seconds. <laughs> like, what? Ejaculation. And she starts like laughing. She's hilarious. But her death scene is the best. Is it the best? It are, is. are we like, mm-hmm. yeah, we're on the same page there. It's gorgeous. Yeah. And the unicorn, just the shot of like that glass figurine, like just lifting up. They show it to us multiple times throughout the movie. Really? It's I didn't catch foreshadowing. that. Foreshadowing. Yeah. Wow. We love that. We love filmmaking. Uh, another scene that I really fucking enjoy is uh, when I think it's Phil's boyfriend who's dressed up as Santa Claus is like uh, talking with Barbara about like their upcoming ski trip in front of the kids and he's just like right. fuck shit fuck and she's like Santa's on the naughty list and it's just so funny to me that scene is hilarious those poor kids ho 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 fuck <laughs> 
That's me every year. I love that, though. Bad Santa. Honestly, sitting on Santa's lap is a thing of the past now, and that makes me a little sad. Why? Uh, six feet, sir. We're in a pandemic. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes, yes, yes. I just think people sitting on Santa's lap is weird in general. <laughs> I hate that. Uh, I mean, if you think about it, like, it's a... I would gander to say probably, like, a man in his 40s, like, just holding children all day. So it's a little weird in practice. <laughs> but I feel like most people's heart is in the right place. <laughs> Girl, uh, I don't know. It's weird to me. But another thing I kind of want to bring up, too, that I don't understand and they don't address is uh, when Billy's talking on the phone to Jess at one point And he mentions, you know, like, removing a wart. And that's what Peter had said to her earlier in the – oh, it was in the house, though. So he was in the house and he heard it. When they were arguing, right? Was, was Were they in the house when he says that? I think. I think he was by the tree when he said that. I always assumed that it was when they were in like that weird building, like the piano building. I don't know what it's called. Uh, I think he, I think it did happen in the house. Okay, never mind. I, I answered my own question. Because that confused me too when he mentions like the war and like she thinks it's Peter at that point too. And I was like, well, how the fuck does he know what they were saying? But I'm assuming I do believe that fight took place while they were in the house. So never mind. I mean, they do lead a lot of the conversation. Um, they do put bits and pieces with Billy to make you think that it's Peter. It's a very heavy theme, so. Yeah. I don't know. This movie's insane to me. It's To me, it's still fantastic. I thoroughly enjoy it. But I do see your points on just some of it not, or I guess like kind of coming into it, how you can kind of feel like it might not be the most satisfactory or the most satisfying in terms of an ending. And the phone calls, him screaming into that phone while everybody's in the house is also very confusing. Uh, but I think it's great. I think it works. I mean, overall, I think any horror fan should watch this movie, whether you enjoy it or not, just because it's, to me, it, it, it lays the groundwork. It lays the groundwork for a lot of things, but also like subverting like just a lot of them too. Like Jess, uh, is of course the final girl in the film, but like she's had sex and she's having an abortion even. And you know, most of the final girls, you know, kind of beyond this point were like virgins and you know, the, the tropes that we know at this point. But I don't know, this movie was smart. It was well done, I thought. I thought the atmosphere was fantastic and it's very creepy, very Christmassy. I love it. Oh yeah. Um, even with the points that I bring up or the facts that I bring up stuff that I don't understand or I didn't like, it really is a work of art, and like you said, it's the pinpoint for, or the beginning point for a lot of amazing horror following. Um, so like you said, it's one of a must-watch for a lot of horror fans in general. Yeah, and of course, whatever your opinion is on it, it doesn't matter. You can enjoy it. You don't have to enjoy it. For me, it's one of those movies where I just really love it. And it's one of those things that really sets up my love for just the slasher genre altogether. Just because it's just, it's everything to me. I I think it's well done. I think it's great. I think the acting's great. I think the atmosphere is really good. <laughs> like, all like stupid little shit. Oh, she was real good. Oh, she was really nice. But I, it's just fun. I love the movie. I think it's definitely worth a watch. It's a good time. Um, I don't think that it's going to be one of those ones that I rewatch often, but uh, it's not something that I'm going to completely like blacklist. You know what I mean? Yeah. And see, for me, I'm the opposite. I watch it every year around Christmas time. Like I have to watch it around Christmas time because it just, it sets the mood for me. Like I love it. But now I'm, I don't know. So I think we kind of, we, 
should we do two opposite ends of the spectrum? Because I, I feel like the 1974 version is like my type of horror movie. And I feel like the 2006 version is your type of horror movie. So I kind of want to watch that one and like talk about that one next. Cause I, I don't want to like do two black Christmas episodes back to back in like a month, but I kind of want to talk about that one now. We're going to have to have a conversation, whether it's a whole episode or just a mention. I'm down though. Yeah. Cause I feel like that's, it is. I feel like those are our two types of horror movies and they're both, fucking amazing Ah, i haven't seen the 2006 one in a while but i love that movie it's awful but funny (laughs) it's awful i love when we have opposite opinions though i think that's a whole a lot of the appeal of our podcast is that we don't always agree but we can respectfully have a conversation about it yeah oh oh no i love it because i love I don't, and I hate people who, like, if somebody doesn't share your opinion in the movie and they get, like, so offended by it. Uh, to me, that's just stupid. And it's just, like, it's just, like, what's the point of, like, having these things that people, I mean, not everybody's going to like the same thing. And it's just so stupid that people get, like, so offended by it. I always enjoy right. when people don't enjoy what I like because that gives me the opportunity to talk. And that's always something that I enjoy <laughs> to do. I'm like, you don't have to like it, but let me tell you why it's great. And then, like, I'll lay my points down. And <laughs> I love that kind of shit. I love having a good discussion on things. And that's why we have a podcast because Adrian likes to talk, share his opinion. <laughs> and I kind of just like being pessimistic and pointing out everything that I think is wrong. So. I kind of love that though. <laughs> Should we just like start doing that? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's our podcast just changes from movie reviews to what we hate. No, I love it. Should we? And I was thinking about that the other day as well, not to get off track, but whatever. Um, I was thinking about the other two. Do we even have a track, honestly? No, we don't. I try my hardest. Uh, But I was thinking about the other day. I was like, you know what? We haven't watched a movie that I just like really hated. I guess The Devil's Rejects was maybe the closest thing. But after watching House of a Thousand Corpses, it kind of, it makes it a little bit better to me. But that's like the one movie where I was the one that like the most fond of it. And I don't think- What is your letterbox rating for- for the Devil's Rejects, I think it was three yeah. stars. I'm also oh, okay. very. That's not bad. I'm so generous on Letterbox. I really am. <laughs> and like I said, it's because I also don't like to like. I don't think of myself as like a fucking critic, and I don't like want to get like very like technical. And if you do that on Letterbox, like the power to you. I follow a lot of people that do take it like super serious, which I love, and they have like like their star ratings. They're like two stars equals fucking. 3.75 and, and or you know two and a half stars is fucking 4.50 and like i i love that for you but for me i'm just like i'm pretty generous like if most movies if they're like palatable for me and like i can get through them they're gonna probably be three stars um anything oh. that's like yeah anything that's like two stars and below it's because like i can probably see some glaring issues in it like just plot wise or story wise and i just it wasn't, like, satisfactory in that sense. Usually I'm pretty generous, though, because most of the movies I watch are, like, three stars. I think – let me check, though, for you. I'm pretty sure Devil's Rejects is, like, three, maybe three and a half. I love Letterboxd, though, <laughs> if you couldn't tell. I love it. I really need to start keeping up with it more. Oh, I'm obsessed with her. I'm doing pretty well on there. I have over 200 followers now. We love that. Oh, wow. A lot of people value your opinion. I don't know why. Uh, the Devil's Rejects is three stars. And The House of a Thousand Corpses is four stars. That movie is amazing to me. Wow. Love that for you. But we really haven't talked about... I guess that's the thing about having a podcast, though, is, like, we really don't talk about movies that we hate more often, or, like, often. Should we just find one that we hate and just get it over with? I don't know that there will be a movie that both of us hate. Yeah, I can't think I don't, of anything. 
because I hate 13 ghosts. It makes <gasps> me uncomfortable and you Obsessed with are it. down with it. Yeah. What? Oh wow, we're gonna have to talk about that movie because that movie and it's Matthew Lillard. You can't you can't stomach the movie. I love Matthew Lillard, and he's the only reason that I have ever watched this movie. But it makes me uncomfortable, which is saying a lot about myself. And I don't even understand it. So for people to ask me like why, I don't know. It just I can watch all kinds of gory shit and like vibe with it and be like, ugh, I love this shit. I'm so excited to watch it again. But 13 Ghosts, watched it once, cannot, will not. What? And that movie is not scary in the slightest. <laughs> to me, at least. To me, it's not scary at all. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it is. It just, it doesn't sit right with me. Hmm. I don't know why. Okay, so maybe we won't watch it anytime soon. When you're ready to face that, we can definitely go over <laughs> it. But I love that movie. But that's kind of how it is with Black Christmas. Like, uh, now that in, now in every rewatch, it doesn't, like, frighten me. But when you... And so, I mean, you watched it with Shannon, though, right? The whole thing? Or just some of it? Black Christmas? Yeah, this one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you see, it's one of those movies where, I think, at least for me, the original. Like, if you're watching it by yourself and it's just nighttime, it, like, it hits different. It's one of those things that you kind of... I mean, it's not, like, to the level of, like, hereditary or something. But... For what it is and for the time it came out, it definitely is. I remember I watched it by myself. It was in December, I'm pretty sure. I remember it was snowing outside. Like, I set the mood. That's, you know me, I'm a drama queen, and I want everything just to, like, be... I'm in a fucking movie in my head 24-7. So I was like, I'm going to watch Black Christmas for the first time. I waited till the... I waited till it was a night where it was snowing. I remember I had, like, fucking hot chocolate with me. I remember I was, like, at the main menu of the movie, and it was just, like, so night and i just like sat there legitimately for like five minutes listening to that on loop on the main menu screen and i was just like getting into the vibes <laughs> and i was like this is creepy this is scary and like i put myself in the mindset to be like fucking scared i hit play and then we went into it and it was a lot more funny like it was a lot more comedy than i was expecting but like being those phone calls scared the living shit out of me the eyeball shots scared the living shit out of me like I go into a movie just be being again a drama queen my life's a movie i always put myself like in the mindset of like accepting what's coming so I can be prepared for it. I'm wondering if I did that to myself with 13 Ghosts because, like I said, I watched it once, made me uncomfortable, have not gone back. So I'm wondering if maybe once again I'm older and for two, my love for Matthew Lillard has only grown <laughs> with age. Yes. And for three, maybe I just maybe it's not going to be scary to me. So maybe we <laughs> should explore that at some point. But I say that now, and then I'm going to watch it, and they're like, oh, nope, I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> when, when you're ready to face it again, we'll discuss. And you can follow all of those updates and look for all those updates on our socials, where you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, at the same handle, at slash underscore her underscore pod. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, and a couple of other places, at slash her. We love you so much. Thank you for sticking with us for another week. And stay, stay spooky, spooky, everybody. Bye. Bye.